0: everybody crappy mondays and welcome to the news agenda with me fleet street fox and today i'm joined by the mirrors deputy online political editor lizzie buck and morning lizzie morning um so this is the people's pay-per-view so get into the comments ask us your questions those of you listening later on podcast we just have to wait for Rishi sunak to let you have the opportunity to tell him what you think of him won't you so, what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on an interview with Alex Batty, the young man taken abroad by taken abroad, sorry, by his mum and granddad without permission when he was just 12, and who finally walked out of France and back into his frantic grandmother's life a few months ago. Now aged 18, he seems very healthy and happy. He started dating, says he doesn't want his mum or granddad caught, but never expects to hear from either of them again. There's more on that inside the paper if you're interested. It's a great interview. Um, but let's talk about something else that's been dominating the news agenda in the past few weeks and no doubt in the future as well which is children's access to vapes the nicotine lace supposed cigarette replacement which actually seems to get people more addicted to nicotine now lizzie there's a story here on page seven which says there are vapes on sale which have been laced with spice are we talking about cinnamon or nutmeg
1: We are not, no, we're not talking about cinnamon or nutmegs. So obviously one of our our health editors done an investigation looking at um, not uh, looking at vapes, which basically have got, uh, have got drugs inside them that people have been using to, I suppose we were trying to establish what they were trying to do. I think instead of smoking a cigarette, like you might traditionally that you've been putting liquid inside a vape and using it as a way to consume drugs so I think there was a big there was a big issue in the US um, around like school kids using vapes to smoke cannabis and that sort of thing so obviously these are some extreme examples of children who've been hospitalized from consuming spice through their vapes which oh, is obviously really concerning.
0: Right it's presumably the awful smell of toilet freshener that you get from vapes it covers up the far more pungent recognisable smell of um cannabis perhaps to some extent who knows uh, i don't unfortunately um but so you, we've got these children that, now martin seems to have done um some digging perhaps freedom of information requests it looks like of nhs trust although it's not clear in the piece um they found how many children they've treated for um vape related conditions and found these five were allegedly using the same reusable vape pen now correct me if i'm wrong lizzie but rishi's crackdown on vapes that he announced a couple of weeks ago that was on the disposable type that you throw away wasn't it so this isn't the kind of vape that would be banned under rishi's watch although you're not supposed to be selling it to children anyway somebody plainly is you're not supposed to be putting drugs in it but somebody plainly is mm. um how 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 could he possibly stop things like this you know, we have a drugs trade that they're not they don't regulate. So this is just the next step, isn't it? If you're if you're a drug dealer.
1: Yeah, so this would be separate to what um, the government has announced, which is the ban of disposable vapes. So the sort of single use brightly coloured ones with brands like Elf Bar, Lost Mary, that you, you tend to see quite a lot in corner shops, obviously quite popular with younger people. The reason the government have done that is because they're worried well the prime minister particularly is worried about how much vapes are appealing to teenagers and to school children um in a way that you know that smoking rates have been declining since the smoking ban but um vaping has absolutely skyrocketed in the last couple of years so that is sort of their first step on this because there's not a lot of regulation in this area obviously Mm -hmm. vapes are you're not allowed to vape inside in the same way that you're not allowed to smoke inside, but it's very poorly enforced. There's not very much quality control on what's happening. You know, people are buying vapes, you you never really have any idea what's in them. So the government, I think, is taking this sort of first step around, okay, let's ban single use ones, which we know are appealing to young people, but they've been doing quite a lot of consulting around it about, you know, should they look at different kinds of flavors, should there be stricter rules? So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, on the off chance that if Rishi Sunak did win the next election that they might look at doing more on this space, but obviously that's a big if right now.
0: Well, yeah. I'll this is that. a very separate yeah.
1: area, you know, like, dispo- vapes, refillable vapes are not being banned. And I think, you know, this is something that wouldn't be covered by any of that because it involves involves drugs, it involves vapes that you can sell to younger people. So I think, you know, something that we would have to think if
0: mean, there's someone who wants to put um drugs and spices a very unfriendly one uh into something where you know is is it makes it easy to consume um then and if someone wants to sell that to you know illicitly around the back to a shop owner who wants to buy it and then make the profit on that obviously without paying the normal taxes and selling on the rest of it and is happy also to sell to in this particular case five children aged between 14 and 16 then those things are, are going to happen if you kind of find a dealer or something who's going to pres- who's going to sell this stuff to you but also one of these pens uh that was used in one of these uh, incidents was labeled as a vaporesso which implies it's a bit like an espresso of some sort tastes like coffee and the other was called lemonade vape cookies now correct me if i'm wrong but one of the crackdowns Rishi's talking about uh, – I don't know if he's actually done it or not – was talking about making them less palatable, perhaps, for children, less marketed to children. Something called lemonade vape cookies maybe something that we all would like, but mm-hmm. I'd suggest that's the kind of thing that's, that's going to make it sort of a bit of a gateway for children to access it through. Those kind of flavours have to be one of the things that a, a government of whatever sort has to crack down on a bit, isn't it? You can't go around calling things, you know, smarties uh and and think that children aren't gonna
1: buy them yeah i think that um as part of the consultation that the government did we had a we had a look at some of the questions they were asking and they did ask the public and sort of doctors and whoever was feeding into their consultation about regulating flavors but in the end the support wasn't there for it which i thought was quite interesting um because you know there are some adults who might like a lemonade vape cookies pen you know, vape pen, Um, though obviously that is going to appeal much more to young people. So I think, you know, that might be another step that you would take once this initial ban has come in, because I think the government are treading quite a thin line um, between sort of public health and protection of young people and cracking down on the conduct of, you know, of adults who should be able to make their own choices. I think they're trying to, you know, they're trying to work out how to do that without being too draconian and is banning certain flavors too draconian. Mm. Um, I think that was part of the thinking, but yeah, these are obviously refillable pens. so They're not covered. And, you know, there are arguments about whether those flavors are really suitable, whether you should just have, whether you should try and sort of re-medicalize a vape like they used to be in that it was only tobacco flavored rather mm. than all of these or do you just have tobacco and menthol was another um option that the government offered on its consultation um but the you know the public were less sort of fussed on that oh well, yeah if you, if you get space
0: Oh, for something in jaffa cake flavor the answer would be yes please if you ask the public but i mean you know if you had what do you think everybody you know have you got an issue with vapes being sold that are kind of sweet or um perhaps nicer to ingest than than a cigarette might be because if we if we started selling cigarettes tomorrow and someone decided to bring out a cigarette that was lemonade vape cookie flavor i would suggest that the government would go no You're not going to do that. It's got nicotine and it gives you cancer. Um, And vapes don't have metal like to give you cancer, but they still have nicotine in. They're still very addictive and they can still um, do other bad things to you health-wise. And they just wouldn't be allowed. What about something like um, you know the the plain packaging that you have to have on cigarettes and tobacco products these days to make it less premium? You have to have pictures of diseased lungs and so on on it. If they had those kind of packaging rules for vapes as well, Regardless of the flavour, surely that would make it a bit less likely that people are going to and also had to do the thing that the cigarettes do have to be behind a, a curtain, you know, can't be on display sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that's something you could certainly do. I mean, again, I think they looked a bit at like how vapes are displayed, that sort of thing. But that isn't something that the government is doing at the moment. Um, But yeah, the packaging is certainly an interesting part of it because obviously a lot of the disposable vapes come in these really bright colours. They look a bit like highlighter pens. Um, And I'm sure that, you know, when I was at school, which was a a while ago, um, you know, vaping wasn't a thing that existed, but I'm sure that Uh, those would have been appealing certainly to people you know to me and my peers because of the way that they looked and if everyone else was doing it and you you know these bright colors like you could Mm. coordinate them with your clothes like I can see why that would be appealing Um, whereas the refillable ones tend to be a bit more sort of they look a bit more practical they're a bit less sort of aesthetically pleasing. So maybe that's part of the thinking, but I think there's a lot that could be done in this space. It just depends on how much the government wants to interfere because you know conservative governments tend to traditionally say that they don't like to be too interventionists in people's lives you know Boris Johnson often made a big thing about being anti- the nanny state um and lots of the successive governments have re- you know resisted sugar taxes and things like this but it's quite interesting that Rishi sunak has decided to be quite he's he's really decided to intervene in a big way here not just on vaping but on smoking as well which is they want to bring in this incremental ban that means that you know some people will never legally be able to smoke because they'll raise the smoking age by year each year, which is also a big intervention in um, you know, say, telling adults that they can't do what they want. And all
0: are popular with voters, aren't they? It's one of the things that Rish has done that
1: people actually do approve of. It's really um, popular, it's interesting.
0: It's quite easy, you'd have thought, just to amend, through secondary legislation, the regulations that we've already got about cigarettes and tobacco products and just add vape products to that without need to put any more voting, and just go, well, obviously, it's still nicotine, it's still addictive, still does bad things for you. We're gonna just push it out there. Adam says it encourages smoking more. Um, the elephant in the room, of course, Lizzie, is that um you're a vapor. Uh also, I've seen you vape once Me? or twice. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, so how do I'm you... a
1: reformed vapor. Um, I, I would say I was a um I was the target person. I used to be a smoker. I gave up using a vape. Um, and then I started vaping. The vaping was so addictive that Mm. as an adult, I found I was unable to quit it and started vaping a lot I've now given up vaping and I would encourage others to do the same I think it helped me give up cigarettes which was good but then I became so addicted to vaping that it was just a new thing so I actually think it's quite good for the government to be intervening here because it is vaping is very addictive
0: yeah sorry I should have checked I should have, was going to ask you something personal before I actually came on air Whoopsie daisy. daisy um, but it's one of those things isn't it where because it's still got the addictive thing in it which is the nicotine it helps you get off the the stuff that gives you the cancer all the benzenes and every other whole stuff that's in cigarettes but it's still got that addictive thing and i can i know people who gave up smoking and started chewing for example nicotine gum mm-hmm. and because they could have nicotine gum when they couldn't have a cigarette like in the office or somewhere else they just chewed it all day mm-hmm. to the point and they're grinding their teeth at night you know because it was mm-hmm. just so bad and i think nicotine replacement things aren't they can help if you do it right but if, if sometimes it makes things so much worse. Um, anyway, we do, speaking of the nanny state, right, this is a big one. And I had an absolute, I thought I was still asleep and having nightmares, and I read this this morning. So one of the big stories of the day, and which I suspect might get a bit more traction later on in the week, terrified me, which is that apparently Labour wants to send parents back to school to have cooking and reading lessons alongside their children. Now, Lizzie, this is a... One of the candidates for the next Welsh Labour leader speaking, it's not Keir Starmer, it's not official Labour policy, but he's the former Education Minister of Wales, he's in with a crack of being the leader of Wales, and he wants to send parents back to school. Can, um, what the hell? Can you explain this to us, please? <laughs> yeah,
1: I I think you don't need to be too alarmed, Um, but (laughs) Jeremy Miles is, so he's one of two candidates to succeed. um, Mark Drakeford, who stood down, who who is standing down as uh, the Welsh Labour leader and also First Minister of Wales. So Jeremy Miles and Bourne Gethin are both, uh, they're both currently ministers. Jeremy Miles is the schools minister in Wales. Um, and they are going up against each other so this is very much like a political interview you know we've interviewed Vaughan Gething before we're now interviewing Jeremy Miles and this is him trying to tell sort of the voters who are going to vote in the Labour leadership election in Wales what he stands for to give them a sense of who he is as a person. Um, So he's been Schools Minister, he's quite an interesting character Jeremy Miles in general um, but he's obviously he's been helping to roll out their um, free school meals policy in primary schools which is something that the mirror is very keen on so we've spoken to him about that a few times but this interview he's done with my colleague john stevens he's talking about i think basically his one of his ideas of trying to engage parents more in schools Uh, so there's some you know some teachers there's some theory in the education sector that obviously getting parents to buy into schools their kids education you know is helpful for the kids for the children's development and for their aspiration and attainment as well because if their parents value what they're doing at school um, then it helps to encourage them more and also to sort of engage parents who might need a bit more help you know I think the suggestion would be that parents offered lessons in cookery and reading might be parents who are sort of you know perhaps not as engaged with their community with the schools, parents who might need a bit more help, who have less education, who are worse off, who might just need that extra support and there's a way of doing that together. So that was my impression of this as an idea, but I think it's very much a kind of po- promise made in the heat of a leadership race. So um, I think, you know, I, yeah. I wouldn't expect this to be rolled out in England, certainly anytime soon.
0: No, so for the thing is right if you are a a disengaged in quote marks parent um perhaps you're working all the hours god sends you're not disengaged but you haven't got time to go to school and learn how to bake a flipping scone um perhaps you're estranged from your child so you know you have to be a bit disengaged perhaps if you had lower attainment yourself at school and they struggle a bit more to engage with school um and they want you to some way to go in and help but you know, that is, of course, what the Sure Start centres were supposed to do and did do a good job of before the Tories shut them all down. But surely when it comes to sending parents to school, it the only ones who will go, oh, that's a good idea, I'll come along to school, are the ones who are already engaged, you know, and the ones who are rich enough to not have to work, to be a stay-at-home mum, that sort of thing. They're the ones who are going to say yes, and they're the ones who don't have to be somewhere else, aren't they? Yes, yeah, so, I mean that's certainly
1: some of the people who would help, who who might have time to help and might think it's a good idea. You can argue that, you know, there are already initiatives in quite a lot of schools that are sort of similar-ish about, you know, trying to get parents in and trying to get them to help with stuff. It is is difficult um, and it would put quite a burden, I think, on teachers to try and make sure that they because teachers will know which families need a bit of extra support but obviously trying to get those people into the schools is something that the teachers will have to do and may be quite challenging and as you say you know a lot of these parents who might benefit from this are not necessarily not there because they can't be bothered they're you know working a lot they're not engaged they've got lack of trust in the system they've got complicated home lives there are so many reasons why somebody might not be there Um, but I think, you know, there is always, I do quite a lot of campaigning in the, on free school meals, which is so I've dealt with Jeremy Miles before, but, um, I think, you know, a lot of the work that we've done with the mirror in that space, um, all the schools we've spoken to and that sort of thing, they're always saying that there are often parents who want help with like, with supplies, with food, with, you know, want a bit of support with childcare, with everything, because they're just struggling so much that the schools are having to sort of step in in those spaces and this is kind of within that ballpark you know like if parents are kind of struggling with budgeting is there something that in the cooking you it would be a way that you could bring parents in and then make sure that they've got them and their kids are eating in school you know is there a way that you could do that like I mean, you do with that, breakfast clubs they, and things like that
0: is you this know. what schools are for you know,
1: no, this, it isn't. But it should, the government has, you know, the school. This is what schools are doing. Like yeah. their schools have become since the pandemic and before, because public services have been cut back so much. This is what schools are doing all all over the place. They're they're intervening on child poverty constantly, and so I think you know this is that is a huge factor. Um, it's it's not what they should be doing, but it is what they're doing.
0: Yeah, it becomes one of those things. And what do you think, everybody? Do you think this is something that your local school uh, could do, should do, is doing, um, that would be beneficial? Do you think it's something that would put more pressure on teachers? Do you think it's something that would actually help children's attainment overall and therefore it's something that schools should be doing mike says becoming a parent is one of the few jobs you can take on with zero preparation or training and you may be good or rubbish at it much like becoming an mp yes we could also ask mps to go back to school um with uh, their children and perhaps learn some basic moral ethics and so on um, um but there is this kind of issue that you know there may be parents who um i mean there's parents like me okay number one who who considers school to be sort of six and a half, seven hours off, frankly the childcare and somebody else is looking after them and that's when you can do all the other things that you have to do so you can't just drop everything and go to the school and then spend another three hours there or two hours doing something because that negates what you're trying to get done in that time there are parents who are disabled perhaps who you know need to have the respite um once they've got the children off to school many of them work anyway it just being disabled doesn't mean you don't work um and if you're responsible you might take time off work if you're a responsible parent to go and to go to your child's school and engage in something if there's some kind of scheme running but if you're an irresponsible parent the, the kind that um you know whether you're working class or middle class is someone who's just not prepared to engage in that way you're just not going to do it I mean I like to think I'm responsible but when every year there's like a mother's day come in and make crafts with your child for three hours in the morning and I never do it because it always clashes with a standing commitment I've got and frankly I'd rather pull you know, extract my own teeth. I just, I'm not going to do that. Um, was someone working who's got two jobs, who's on universal credit as well, who's doing shifts, it's just not going to get in there. I just kind of think this is something that you should have community centre. You should have something to help people who need it and who are going to access it, like you said, Lizzie. But I just, I'm not sure that school hours and doing it at a school and asking the teachers to do it when they're sh- already wrangling 30 kids, is the best way to do it. Um, Now, this chap who's, let's just call him super, says, how are parents meant to go to school when they have work? It is delusional. I I suppose they're only aiming at at parents who are out of work, but a good chunk of those, especially where I live, are Mm. stay-at-home middle-class mums in an SUV. Of course, they're going to walk to school and and help bake a cake. I'm not going to. I've got other things to do with my life. Um, I don't know if I'm responsible or irresponsible now, but what I suppose the question is I mean, if how likely is it that English Labour are going to pick this up? You said you don't think it's very likely, but some of the stuff that happens if he gets elected to be Welsh leader and does something like this, I and mean, there is some cross pollination that goes on, isn't there?
1: I think it's quite unlikely, um, just because, you know, they like. Welsh Labour and um, the UK Labour Party sort of focusing on England do 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 some quite different things, especially in education policy. Um, And I think, you know, Bridget Phillips and Labour's shadow education secretary is very focused on she's very focused on childcare, breakfast clubs, that's kind of her thing um, yeah. and driving up standards in schools um, and I think she probably I, I don't think they really have space for anything else because Labour's kind of Labor's manifesto is going to be quite slim anyway and I think they've kind of set out quite a lot of their stall already so I'd be very surprised um, if this kind of moved over because they also you know the UK, um, the, the Labour Party in England has refused to adopt uh, the policies on free school meals that they do in Wales and Scotland, so you know there is some difference on that. Yeah,
0: it's all isn't
1: it? Yeah, and I think you know, I it's also one of those things that this is a leadership election. I would stress, you know, I think Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss both said a lot of things during leadership elections that never came to be. You know, um, I think yeah. part of this is the point of it is trying to paint a picture of the kind of person he is and what his vision is, whether you think this is good or bad, Um, you know, there's not a lot of detail in what's been told, I suspect it's something he's sort of floated with my colleague in this interview, Um, and, you know, maybe it's something he's been thinking about whilst he's been Schools Minister, maybe he's got some ideas that he would implement later. but. Yeah, I think, it's, um, I think it's an interesting talker, isn't it? But I
0: yeah, think... It's something to discuss. But bit of need paying for, obviously, which isn't really in the piece. But I suppose the, the interesting thing is that what Welsh Labour do, quite often, if it doesn't work, we've seen before, that's the kind of thing that the Tories use to criticise English Labour. Like, mm-hmm. with Welsh NHS is in a dire state. How could you trust Keir Starmer with the NHS kind of thing? Never mind what Tories have done to it. But they like to use what's happened in Wales as a way to kick England so is it possible do you think that I mean this is the kind of thing that Rishi especially in a general election year the Tories are going to say well look at the nanny state what could Labour want to do they want to send parents back to school isn't it outrageous Boris was never going to return to Eton kind of thing um and it's going to just be used as a way to, to criticise is Keir going to be a bit upset that this guy has just floated this do you think is it going to be any kind of a row about mm, it? I doubt I doubt it um I think I doubt
1: Keir will be too fussed about it, to be honest. Um, I think it depends, like, if the, you know, if he'd actually won the, mm. if he actually wins the leadership election and actually does it, then yeah, maybe. Um, but, you know, Keir Starmer has been quite relaxed about the fact that Mark Drakeford, the, the current um, first minister, brought in 20 mile an hour zones in Wales that has proved to be quite controversial. Mm. Um, and the Tories have really gone for that in a big way um and like Keir Starmer's quite relaxed about it I think he sort of sees that it's it's a different situation you know, Wales has different needs as a nation it's got different politics it's got a different you know there it's got different demands and it is more left-leaning than England sometimes you know it's had a Labour government for quite a long time so you know I think I think they're fairly relaxed about it, and I think the Tories—I don't know—they might go for it, but I suspect they're probably. I don't know if it's really controversial enough for them to really go for it. Um,
0: I am. Would would Rishi object to having to return to Winchester? Possibly not. No, I'm
1: sure he wouldn't. But he also, you know, I think he is—he's very much a family man, mm. and he makes a lot of it. So I—I—I'd be surprised if he was sort of going on and on about, you know making parents go back into schools especially because you know it's not like he can say oh well you know parents have got too much on their plates and it's hard for them to make ends meet because yeah. he can't just he just can't make points like that He's too no rich.
0: no and i think we'd all be a bit concerned if jacob rees mogg turned up at the school gates one day yeah. there are some people you never want to see anywhere near a school uh and jacob's probably not standing there like a specter anyway thank you for that lizzie um All right, good news, people. I have managed to find some good news in the world for you, and here it is. Now, two wheelchair bound young men are going to climb Mount Snowden, would you believe, to highlight accessibility issues in the countryside. Now, Josh and Maxwell are going to be using off road wheelchairs. Wow. That's a brilliant thing to have, to make the climb, having previously been frustrated uh, in the countryside by things like kissing gates, which are fine for walkers, obviously, but not if you're in a wheelchair, even if you're pushing a pushchair. I've struggled with... Uh, kissing gates when out on a walk with a kid in a pushchair um now they say everybody should be able to explore nature by themselves which is a fantastic attitude to have and they've already raised twenty-seven thousand pounds for a charity helping others with spinal muscular atrophy which is a condition they've got the link is in the comments if you want to give them a fiver lizzie is this proof do you think that anyone can do anything so long as someone doesn't put some ridiculous insurmountable barrier in your way like a government, for example, coming along, (laughs) doing something unhelpful. Yeah, this is great, because it also, it,
1: it just kind of throws up the fact that we've got this technology where you can develop these amazing technological technology, like things where you can have these powered wheelchairs, which allow people so much freedom. But then in the countryside, you've got all these gates and feet and, you know, fences that just, don't think about that and weren't designed to allow for access better, greater accessibility and no one's really done anything about it. So, you know, I think that's such a, the hard thing about this would have been developing the wheelchair that can get you up Snowden. It's not uh, removing a kissing gate. So Mm. I think it's great that they're highlighting that. And, you know, hopefully it means that people, you know, that people, who are sort of landowners and people who, are, who do design sort of pathways and that sort of thing would be able to think a bit more about what is possible and allow, allow everyone sort of the same access to sort of the beautiful spaces that we have in this country.
0: Exactly, and a lot of uh, a lot of people say that you know the the, the path up Snowden is so well traveled, it's basically a motorway. But it got rocky in, pla- in parts, and it's it's pretty amazing that two people in wheelchairs are going to do it. Uh, it's also fairly amazing that Josh, who who's thirty, is an entrepreneur, uh, and Maxwell's nineteen is prepared to you know go and make the effort to go up there as well with him. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So if you can chuck fiver in there in their crowdfund, that would be amazing. Right. Um, I think that's pretty much everything for today. Thank you, Lizzie, for joining us and explaining some of that. I shall calm down a little bit about the prospect of my having to return to school. I think the headmistress would say not let me in because (laughs) whenever we've had an interaction, it's probably ended quite badly. Um, Thank you very much, everyone, for taking part. Thank you, Lizzie. We will see you all again on Wednesday, everybody, for another edition of the News Agenda. Till then, stay safe and uh, tatty bye.